Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. I'm not sure what you would label the year 2020 if you could label it like a pickle jar. If you could take this year and, and put it on your, in your cabinet and stare at it and look at it, what would that label say? If it was the year that I blank, what would that blank be? The, the year that I almost died. Maybe that would be yours. Or uh, the year that I almost killed my children. Or the year that I found out what Zoom was. <laughs> Uh, the year that I started delivering the food to my door. It could be the year that I lost somebody dear to me. It could be the year that I got baptized, the year that I decided to follow Jesus. Um, I'm sure that there are a lot of labels you can put on 2020, and some would be positive and some would be negative, but I want to prophesy to you. What does a prophecy mean? It means to declare something that is not yet as if it already were, and I want to declare and prophesy over you. I want to give you the label. I want to give you the sticker before you fill the jar. I want to give you this sticker for the next jar, for 2021, and the label for this year is going to be the year that I grew. The year that I grew. That's a statement, that's a prophecy, that's a declaration, <clears throat> and that's going to be the sermon series that we're going to spend the next uh, five weeks uh, uh, going through. The year that I grew. Um, and the reason why this sermon series title is important to me and where I got the idea from was honestly out of 2020. Because 2020 taught me a lot of things. Uh, it taught me to value uh, toilet paper. It taught me to value. <laughs> you never know what you have until you can't buy it anymore. And, uh, it also taught me a very valuable lesson. It taught me that I am in control of way less than I thought that I was. It taught me that I cannot control rioters in the street or officers in the street. It told me that I, I cannot control uh, the outcome of an election. I cannot control the, the health of the people that I love, and I can't even control my health. I promise you I wore a mask. Um, I don't know how I got it. I, I can't control certain things in my life. But I learned one thing, uh, that there is always one thing in life that I can control. And the one thing in life I always can control is my growth. I learned that when they made us quarantine in March and we shut down our offices. They could shut down my offices, but they couldn't take away my podcast and my books. So I kept learning. I kept growing and I kept developing. When they shut down 24-hour fitness, which is my gym, and they said I couldn't work out anymore, they could, they could take that away, but they couldn't take away my floor, so I could still do push-ups and sit-ups. And they couldn't take away my pull-up bar, so I could still uh, do uh, pull-ups. I wish they had taken away the chips and the chocolate, because I really grew. Uh, I really grew in that way. I wish somebody would have took that away. Um, when, when Winter Park High School told us that we could no longer meet and have services there, our team decided that we weren't going to stop growing. And so they learned how to do broadcasts, and they learned how to set up cameras, and they learned how to do Instagram Live, and they learned how to edit videos, and we rented studios, and, and we started to invest in our values, our culture, our identity as a church. We just made a decision in advance, or actually through it, that we were going to grow in 2020. And I want you to know that today, I'm encouraging you to make the decision, the only decision you have the power to make, which 
is no matter what happens, no matter what comes, right now, this moment, I decide to grow this year. No matter what this year comes at me with, no matter what it tries to take away. In fact, let me say it this way. You can't control what life takes away, but you can make sure that you always have a takeaway from life. Every defeat has a takeaway. Every challenge has a takeaway. Every mess up has a takeaway. Every struggle has a takeaway. Every fear, every loss has a takeaway. And so while you cannot control what life takes away, be sure that you always take away something from life. I will grow no matter what. And so in this series, we're going to help you do that. Grow spiritually, financially, in your family, relationally, emotionally. We want you to grow in your faith and your knowledge of the word and take that next step in your relationship with Jesus because God wants you to grow through it too. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 11 says this, we have much to say about this. I'll explain to you what this is in just a second, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is mature, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by God's constant use, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. When the Bible says this, when he says, I want more about this, but I can't, Paul was talking about, we don't know if the author is Paul, so I shouldn't say that. All we know is that the author of Hebrews really liked coffee, because the title is he. <laughs> don't laugh, that's corny, that's corny, don't laugh, it's whack. We don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but, but we do know it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so when he's talking about this, <laughs> I say that joke every year, and every year five people left. Um, this year was seven uh, people left. And so when he says this, he's talking about a very obscure character in the Bible named Melchizedek. You probably never even heard of Melchizedek. He literally has, I don't know, three or four verses in the Bible about him, not a lot. And so the author is starting to talk about this guy that not a lot of people know, and there's so much revelation, there's so much practical help for your life in the story of Melchizedek, but because he understands that his readers don't understand Melchizedek, they've never even heard of him, he must digress. He must pull back. The author wants to give more to the audience, but the audience cannot receive more because they are not mature enough to understand or receive what Paul or whoever wrote it is trying to tell them. Here's my point. God always wants more for you, but the more that God wants for you is dependent on your level of maturity. You can't receive more if you're not mature enough for more. This is why when people show me their babies and, and they're like, because all y'all are starting to have babies right now, and there's a lot of babies in Journey Church, and the nursery, I'm sure, is jam-packed. Our kids director just had a baby, uh, Maddie, and, uh, and so everybody, they bring me a baby, they go, oh, they're so cute, don't you want one? I'm like, no. Like, I'm, I'm really grateful for the kids that I have. Like, I don't want to go back to that. Like, I'll watch your kid for like a day, but it's not going to help me, baby, but thank you. Um, <clears throat> it, 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 I'll go back to it for like a day, but I don't want it forever because that stage of, of being a parent, to be honest, it's really not that fun. It's <laughs> keeping it 100. Like, I love you, <laughs> but you're, you're not that fun. <laughs> I mean, honestly, Jody, what can you do with him right now? You know, it's like a baby doll. If you get a baby doll, they cry and they poop. The baby doll, that's all that they do. 
But, if you, but then when you grow up, all of a sudden you get a G.I. Joe, and now you got Kung Fu Grip, and you got a jetpack. Am I losing anybody here? I'm just saying, like, the older the child gets, the more you can do with that child. There's things that I wanted to do. There's conversations I wanted to have with my son that I couldn't have with him when he was two months because all he knew was ba-ba-boo-boo-ba-ba. Now I can talk to him about this wonderful God that I serve, and now I can talk to him about the New York Yankees and the, and the Gators, and I can talk to him about LeBron, and we can have these conversations, and, but I, now I get to enjoy him more because he's more mature. There's things that I can give him now, that I can do with him now because he's older and understands. I can't wait, and still I'm waiting for him to get even older so I can do more things. And I'm like, I can't wait to give him my car keys. I mean, I totally can wait to give him my car keys, but... But there are other things. You know, I can't wait to talk to him about relationships. Actually, I think I can wait for that too. And you know what I'm saying? And I'm only saying that because oftentimes when God doesn't do something in our life, we blame God. Like we say that God is not good. Like if God would bless us, if, if God would be good. And, and I get it because we say things like that. Like God is good. And, but the problem with that statement is to even say that God is good is to infer that at some point in his existence, he can be bad. You need to know that God never has a bad day. God doesn't wake up on the wrong side of the morning one day and send a tornado to Kansas because he had a bad day. What I'm trying to tell you is that his goodness is perpetual and eternal. It cannot be stopped. and never ends. So if you are not experiencing the miracle that he declared over your life, is it because of the lack of his goodness or the lack of your growth? If we had to pinpoint the culprit, for the current state of our soul. Is it because God's not good? No, he's always good. It's because we're not always growing, even though God is always good. And that's why the foundation for this series is going to be in chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, therefore, I love a good therefore, therefore, because it tells you why the verse is therefore. <laughs> All the corny jokes coming out today. Therefore, this is the verse, this is the verse for the next five weeks. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ. I had to pause here in the first service, I'm going to pause here again. He's not saying that the teachings about Christ are elementary. Some people think, and they get mad at me, Pastor Jesus, why are you always preaching about Jesus? When are you going to talk about something deep? I'm like, bro, it doesn't get deeper than Jesus. Jesus is the depth of all theology. It all points to him. What he's saying is not that Christ, the teachings about Christ are elementary, but that there's more about Christ you don't know. You know that there's more about God that you don't know? And so we're going to go deeper into him and be taken forward to, what's that word? Maturity. And God permitting, we will do so. That's what we're going to do for the next five weeks. We are going to grow. I don't care if you've just gotten saved or if you've been a believer for 40, 50 years. I promise you this, if you engage in this message, everyone will grow. Now, before we get into um, kind of the series, we've got to kind of lay a foundation, a syllabi, if you will, for what growth looks like in life, and not just even the Bible, but really in life. And so I'm going to give you three things really quickly that are foundations for growth. You've got to, got to understand these things if you want to understand growth and if you want to grow. And the first thing is that there is a difference between aging and growing. <clears throat> there is a difference. I've got to be real careful who I look at when I talk about this point. <laughs> Between aging and growing. Aging is automatic and unavoidable. You don't have to try and grow and get, and get older. You're just going to do it. I don't care what kind of skin creams you buy. All right? This is the greatest farce in all of cosmetology. Anti-aging cream. Uh-uh. 
Ain't no such thing as anti-aging cream, okay? So I got to get this anti-aging cream. That's going to lift that wrinkle for about 10 minutes, okay? And you're going to be back to your wrinkly self. It's not anti... There is no such thing as anti-aging anything. You can't stop it, and you don't have to try and do it. It just happens. That's aging. I've been growing out my hair, trying something new. And... And Liz looked at me the other day because now that my hair's getting longer, she goes, oh, my goodness. I was like, what? She's like, look it. What do you think she saw? That's right. She said, look, it's a gray hair. I'm like, why are we making such a big deal about this hair right here? I don't really care about the hair. And she's like, and she's like don't, don't worry about it. That's good. Gray hair means wisdom. I'm like, no, it don't. Gray hair, me old. <laughs> I'm not wise because of what's on my head. I'm wise because of what's in my head. So I, I got to say this because some people think just by being a Christian for a long time, you're growing. You're not growing. You're aging. Because aging is automatic and unavoidable, and it leads to decay. Shakespeare said that the moment we're born, we start to die. Aging is automatic and unavoidable, but growing is intentional and optional. You have to try to grow, and before you can even try to grow, you have to choose to grow. You got to want it, and you got to actually work at it. That same day, we were looking at older photos, Liz and I, of when the kids were born, because she was afraid that we had lost all these photos of the kids, and I'm like, I got this. And I showed her all the photos of seven, eight years ago when the kids were just born, and, and there's photos of us seven or eight years ago. And once again, she felt like it was worth talking about how I look so much different. So seven, eight years ago, she looks at the photo. She goes, oh, my goodness. You're so skinny. How are you that skinny? And then she says this. I kid you not. She goes, how did people even follow you at church? Look at you like a teenager. so skinny oh my gosh how can anybody even follow you i'm like i don't know how can anybody marry me you did it <laughs> but i waited i waited i waited i'm see i'm a i'm a sniper i wait because <laughs> i knew i knew we was about to get to photos of her <laughs> seven eight years ago <laughs> and so there came up a photo it was uh in the china area of epcot and it was right after she had given birth to zane and, uh, you know, I didn't say nothing. <laughs> I didn't say a thing. I just, I just, I just didn't go to the next photo. <laughs> I was like, she said, oh, my goodness. I look so fat. I said, no, you're not fat. You're blessed. That's abundance, girl. If this wisdom, that's abundance. You're blessed. <laughs> and, and she said it. And I only say that because I'm not bragging on, on us or this is not about lifting us up. But I think her and I would both say that we are probably in the best shape of our lives today 
than when we were seven or eight years younger because aging and growing are two different things. Just because you're aging doesn't mean you have to stop growing. If you're intentional, you can grow while you age. You can make sure, put the work in. We had to change our diet. We had to change our exercise. We had to change our sleep schedule. But we made sure that we were growing and not just aging. And so let me ask you, when it comes to your faith, are you aging or are you growing? When it comes to your relationship with Jesus, if you have one here today, are you aging or are you growing? Because in the faith, it works like this. And I, I put it on the screen so that you can take this home with you. In the faith, it works like this. Either you grow or being a Christian will get old. Either you grow or being a Christian will get old. And I fear that for many of us in church today, this is getting old. This is getting old. And how do I know, Pastor? How do I know if I'm aging or if I'm growing? Well, let's go back to the first definition of aging. Aging is, what does it say? Automatic. Here's how you know if you're aging or are you growing. Is your faith on automatic? Because that might sound like a good thing, like I'm automatically at church and I'm automatically at praying. Yeah, but when your faith is on automatic, here's how I mean. Like you pray every day, but you pray the same five words to the same song, Waymaker. Uh, <laughs> you've, been given, you've been given whenever the bucket comes by, but you never really stepped up and said that next level of challenge, which is called tithing. You come to church, and for some people coming to church, is growing because it's a challenge for you because you're just getting started in this. I just want to give props to anybody who just started following Jesus and already automatically started coming to church. And props to you. That's amazing. But for other people, coming to church is no longer a challenge. Coming to church is automatic. Here's how the Bible calls it. Religion is when we do it just to do it. But you don't grow just by being. You grow by engaging and challenging and so if your faith is on automatic, you're probably aging and not growing. That's the first foundation for growth. Here's the second foundation for growth, and that is this. God has grace for growth. You didn't say amen because you don't understand that, but that's why I'm here to teach it to you. But I think once you understand it, uh, it's, it's a hallelujah moment because what I'm telling you is, is that he under, he's got grace for your mistakes while you're growing. You know, I've, I don't know if you've ever seen a baby learn to walk. It's hilarious. Because uh, they never go straight to walking. Before the walk comes, and every parent knows this, the stand. Oh, the stand is anxiety-filled, and it's anticipatory. It's, it's full of energy and excitement. The stand is something like this. See, they're crawling their whole lives. And then one day, and one day... Homo erectus, you know, they, they, they remember, wait a minute, I have a spine, and I'm going to try something, and I, and I see mom and dad walking on two legs, and so and one day he'll do it, he'll go like this, he'll go, and he'll look at you, and you'll encourage him, like if he just, like if he's on his way to painting the Mona Lisa, you'll be like, oh my God, do it, baby, you got it, and then the second thing the baby do will be this, and then they'll wobble a little bit. And they're kind of frozen here for a second. And you keep encouraging them. And then all of a sudden they go. <laughs> and then they get here. And then once they get here, it's like they're tightrope. <laughs> they're like. 
And then you think they're about to take their first step. And so you grab the phone. You call dad. You call grandpa. He's about to take his first step. He's about to take his first step. But right after this comes this. (laughs) Here's what I've never seen a parent do when that happens. Boo! You suck! Loser! This guy can't walk. What a loser! Look at me. I walk like that. Loser! Horrible. How could you not walk? Bad boy. I've never seen a parent do that because a parent understands the stage of development that their baby is in. And so here's the good news. God has the patience for your process. When you're getting started in the faith, he's not going to boo you or loser you or spank you because you're making mistakes. He understands it takes time. So when you fall, he doesn't boo you. He goes, come on, Papi, try one more time. Come on, stand up one more time. You got it. You got it. Come on. All of heaven is watching. I got the camera right here. Moses, check this out. Gabriel, check this out. He's about to lead his first person to Jesus. Come on, right now. He's about to get baptized right now. Come on, he's about to speak in tongues for the first time right now. Come on, watch it right here. Let's celebrate it. He gets all of heaven together, pulls out the iPhone. Because that's what they use in heaven. And he celebrates. And he celebrates. He has patience for the process. The question is not, does God have patience for your process? The question is, do you have patience for your process? Do you? I was in Next Steps, the last Next Steps that we had, and people get to ask questions. Sometimes they ask questions about the church. Other times they ask questions about theology. And one girl raised her hand and she said, I have a question. She said, what if I keep sinning? She's like, what if I just can't shake some things? And I could tell her spirit was like, I really want to try out this church thing. But I'm afraid that there are things in my life that I'm not going to get over quickly that are going to disqualify me from being a part of this community. So what if I can't shake those things? And I told her this. I said, God will be here. Every Sunday, you have a bad week. Will you? God will be here every Sunday you have a bad week. Every Sunday you fail and fall. Every Sunday you don't, map, you don't live up to the standard. He will be here. The question is, will you? Because I find in my personal life, when I make mistakes, sometimes the shame, the guilt, the weight, the burden is so heavy, the church is the last place I want to be. But if you would understand that this is the place where you get healed. This is the place where you get restored. This is the place where you get lifted up. This is the place where you get pushed onto your destiny. You want to run away from this place when you fall. You would run to this place when you fall. Because there's people here who are not going to point fingers in your face. They're going to encourage you to get on back up. Now, very important, if all we talked about was that God has grace for growth, we would, be, we would be not be preaching the entirety of the Bible. That is, that is one part of the truth there. Here's the other part that we have to balance this out with. God has grace for truth, but here's the other part. God has an expectation for growth. So God has the grace for growth on one hand, but on the other hand, God has an expectation for growth. In other words, if you're eight months old and you poop on yourself, nobody's mad. Because you're eight months old. (laughs) But if you're 18 years old, (laughs) 
and you poop yourself. Uh, there's a problem. <laughs> this, it's not cool. It's not, it's not cute. Um, you, should have not, you should have figured that out <laughs> by now. <laughs> Here's the thing. When we get saved, that's like when we pray, Jesus Christ, come into my heart. I'm ready to give you my past, my future, my present. And we start that relationship. We go in the water. We commit it out. The Bible says the phrase that we're born again. And that's great because when we're born again, that implies baby. So that's cool. But being born again and growing in your faith are two different things. And so I get the question, are you saved? That's important. But then here's the next question we got to ask ourselves after we ask ourselves that. Are you growing? Because if, if you're still doing the things today that you were doing when you first became a Christian, I'm not trying to press on condemnation or guilt. This is the place. But, but I just want you to know there is an expectation. There's grace for growth. But there's an expectation for growth as well. You can't talk. You can't walk like you used to walk. And you can't talk like you used to talk. As a matter of fact, I'll kind of go off on a tangent here a little bit. And let me just tell you that talking is one of the ways you know your baby's developing and growing. And I can tell if you're growing by the way that you're talking. If you're still talking today like you were talking when you were first believing. And I don't mean cussing. Because I know some pastors that cuss. I don't mean cussing. I mean, I mean, I mean, in, in, in the old you would have complained about the situation. But the new you is grateful for what God did in the situation. Are you changing the way that you talk? The old you was a gossiper, but the new you is an encourager. So when the old you was all about putting other people down so that you can get your own self-esteem, the new you pulls self-esteem from who Jesus says you are. So you take all the time and all the words and all the language you have to lift other people up. Has your language changed? Has your language changed? Because that's how you know. There's more words in the vocabulary. And so are you, are, you, are you growing? Are you growing? At the same time, I don't want to uh, despise this young stage of development because I think it's very important. In fact, I, I want to talk about the formative years of growing, the formative years. Uh, how many people know that when you're a child, some of the things that happen to you when you're one or two can shape the way you are? Put that on the screen, the formative years. Uh, it can shape you as you grow older. Zane, in his very first sonogram, his very first sonogram, Zane was sucking his thumb in the picture. Very first sonogram. He's seven years old right now, still sucks his thumb. Don't tell him, he might be embarrassed. <laughs> it, it shapes him. How many people know that the first two years of your Christian life really do inform the rest of your Christianity? And this is why I need to talk about this because I feel like some people had a bad experience the first two years of their Christian life. And it has, it has shaped them in a bad way for the way that they live out the rest of their Christianity, specifically when it comes to relationship with Christ. Re Revelations 2, 4 through 5. Look at this. I want to talk about, about, about this relationship. Revelations 2, 4 through 5. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. Repent. The passionate love you had for me when? Because that's, that's how Christianity works. The beginning, the infancy stage of your development. Listen to me. I wrote it like this. Infancy is for intimacy. Infancy is for intimacy. 
When you are a baby in the faith, that season of your life is for developing intimacy and relationship with Jesus. And some of you missed out. This is very important. Please catch this. Some of you missed out on this phase because the moment you got saved, somebody saw your gifts and your talents and they put you into leadership too early. And when they put you into leadership too early, it shaped the way you see God as master, but not lover, savior, and father. And so now you enter into Christianity with this perspective and this weight of, I have to do things for God because if I don't, he will not accept me or love me. But that's because you skipped infancy. They, 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 they pulled you too soon. You just gotten saved. You were supposed to spend more time in allowing Jesus to love you for who you were before you did anything for him. Once you learn that, then you can work from him expectation and pressure-free because you understand that win or lose, good preaching or bad preaching, it does not affect his love for me. Yeah, that's right. So some of you messed up that way. Others, you messed up. Man, man, I say messed up. It's not even your fault. It's just others, the reason why you've forgotten intimacy and lost intimacy is, is because you've been a Christian for so long, you forgot what it was like to be a child in the faith. In fact, when I was younger, I used to equate intimacy with passion. When someone says, are you being, are you, do you have an intimate relationship with God? When I was younger, I always used to think, probably has a little bit to do with my Pentecostal roots, that that meant shouting and jumping and spinning and, you know, oh, I love you, Jesus. And, and, and passion is important, but passion and intimacy are not the same thing. Passion is actually the product of intimacy. But intimacy is much more foundational than passion. Intimacy is not how loud you sing or how high you jump. Intimacy is how well do you know someone. That's intimacy. And when you really know Jesus, then you jump and you, and you scream and you shout and all those things. And so here's what I'm saying. Some of y'all have lost your intimacy with Christ, not because you don't jump and worship anymore, not because you don't sing anymore, but because you stop trying to get to know who God is. Because you've been a Christian for so long, you think you know everything there is to know about him. So when someone says David, you shut off because you know the story of David and Goliath. When someone talks about uh, John or Paul, you shut off because you heard about those stories. But I'll say it again. I said it before. I'll say it again. God, Jesus, is so much more profound than you have any idea. The Bible says that there are angels that walk around Jesus day in and day out. And all they say are, are one word. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Theologians believe that the reason why they say the word holy is because every time they make a revolution around God in heaven, they see an aspect of him they never saw before. And they've been singing it since the dawn of time, which means that God cannot get old if you commit to discovering who he is. This is why marriages fall apart, because we think we know the person and we stop trying to get to know them. But the person you married is not the person you're married to after 20 years. They've changed. And then we get divorced because we go, well, you changed. Well, no doubt. People change. If you had had the same curiosity in your marriage than you had in your dating, maybe that person would still be interesting to you. And so when God wants to get intimacy, this is what he's after today. He has a strategy. God's strategy for intimacy is separation. Here's how I know that. It's all over the Bible. But it's also in the animal kingdom. And not the Disney resort. When a zebra gives birth to a baby, that's called a foal or a colt. We'll say foal. When a zebra gives birth to a foal, 
the zebra mom pulls the foal out from the herd, except it's not called the herd, it's called the dazzle. How cool is that? Because all the stripes and they're running around, dazzle. I just love that. They pull the baby out from the dazzle for three days. For three days, the baby zebra is pulled away. And for three days, the mom has two jobs. To teach the baby how to walk. And when she's not doing that, she's staring at the baby. And the baby is staring at her for three days. Talk about awkward eye contact. (laughs) Do you know why? Because no two zebras have the same pattern of stripes. So the mama zebra had to pull the zebra away from the rest so that the baby zebra can recognize the exact stripe pattern of their mama. So that when the lion comes, the foal knows where to run. Because nobody in that dazzle will protect you like your mama. But only if you recognize her stripes. What did the Bible say about his? His what? We are healed by his stripes. When we know who, he, when we know who to run to when the lion comes. But in order for him to develop that level of intimacy with his mother, he had to be separated from the herd. That's why when you first get saved, it feels so lonely. It was by design. God had to pull you out from where you were so that you can know who he is. It was, that's why it's one, of the scary, it's one of the scariest things, getting saved. Where did all my friends go? Where did all the parties go? Where did all, the, where did all go? It, you did, God had to separate you. And that's why fasting is so important because the opposite of separation is attachment. So when you fast, you break the attachments See, prayer is what connects us to God, but fasting is what disconnects us from the world. And when we start to disconnect from the world, we start to break the attachments that held us back from knowing who God is. I've been having this pain in my chest. It's called costochondritis. I got it from doing dips in the gym. It hurt to breathe. And I went online and I found this guy in New Zealand who created this thing. It's called the back pot. I don't get any money off of this. But you put it on the floor and you lay down. And apparently what it does is it helps stretch the muscles in your back. The muscles in your back, because we're all like hunched over on our devices, have actually hardened. They've hardened. And so that has caused a tightness in my chest. And so what you do is you sit back on this back pod and it stretches the muscles in the back. It's very very painful and it breaks up the muscle so that you could be I'm just saying this I was experiencing a pain over here but the reason I was experiencing pain over here is because I was over attached back here what if the pain in one area in your life is there because you are overly attached to another area of your life and by breaking the attachment with that area of your life you free yourself up to have a relationship with God the best way I can and let me just tell you this by the way and if you don't separate, God will separate you for him. If you don't have the discipline to separate, he loves you so much, he will separate you for him. That's why he had to separate you from your friends because you weren't going to. 
So he had to do it so that you can be separated from the people who tried to define you so that God can redefine you. This is why he separated you from your family. Not because he doesn't want you to love your family, but because he had to also separate you from your family history. He didn't want you to be an alcoholic like Theo or like your uncle, like your grandpa. He didn't want you to have three or four or five different marriages like him, like her. And so he had to separate you from your family for a season. This is why God pulls us out of comfortable situations into uncomfortable situations. Because the womb, this is why a baby cries, by the way, when they're born. Because it was so comfortable in there. It was warm. You were always with your mom. You got fed by a little cord. You don't have to worry about nothing. And you go from that to 2020. <laughs> Doctors say that birth is traumatic for a baby. They go from in this warm place, they come out, and all of a sudden they're hit with cold air, eight different people are touching them, someone cuts off a piece of their body, <laughs> ties it into a knot, it's thrown on another stranger. What's happening? The womb was safe, and the womb provided, but the womb was small. And it was always going to restrict your growth. So sometimes God will take you from a safe place into a scary place because there's more space in the wild than there is in the womb. God. There's more space in the wild than there is in the womb. So he's got to break you out. He's got to create separation so that you can receive what he has for you. Best way I can explain it is through football. Any football fans in the house today? Raise your hand if you actually played football. Raise your hand if you play Madden. Let's go. <laughs> All right. A lot more hands on that one. I need two football players real quick. I'm going to get my boy Phil because Phil actually played. Phil, you're a running back, right? Yes, sir. All state? Something like that. Something like that. <laughs> and now I'm going to get James, one of the best Madden players I know. Come on up, James. I'm going to teach you a little something about football. We can play something nice in the back. I'm going to teach you something about football. If you don't know football, Football's really just got a couple of parts. First thing you got to know is that there's a goal. It's called the end zone. All right? So we're going to imagine that this is the end zone. And this end zone, this goal is whatever you want your goal to be in 2021. Now, I can't do this part of the preaching for you. I need you to engage. I need you to personify what this goal means. I need you to personalize what this goal is for you. Whatever it is, it's your goal. And you're trying to get here. All right? And Phil, you're going to be my, my receiver. All right? And I got the blessing. And I'm trying to send Phil the blessing to the end zone, the goal, so he can hit his goal. All right, so we got Phil, the receiver, but then we got James. And James is the defender. And so the problem with Phil, Phil if you wanted to go to your goal, huh, huh, hike, go to your goal. Go. That makes sense, right? Just run to the goal. But what you got to understand is that the road to destiny is never a straight line. And the reason why it's never a straight line is because in life, not only is there a goal, but there's also a defender, an enemy whose main job is to keep you from your goal. And by the way, he knows where the end zone is. Do you know that the devil knows what your goals are for 2021? He already knows you're praying for a loved one. He already knows. He already knows you're looking for things to turn around in your relationship or your finances. He already knows you're praying for healing. He already knows. And so because he knows where you're going... Huh, huh, just, just, just be on him, okay? Just like, like my coach used to say, like white on rice. You know what I'm saying? Like peanut butter on jelly, all right? Just don't let him get to the goal. Just be on him, all right? Huh, 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 hi. 
He's with him. 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 All the way. He's with him all the way. Now come back here. Come back here. I think that's such a great analogy because for so many people in our life, that's exactly what the devil's like in our life. Everywhere we go, go, ha, ha, hype. Just can't shake him. You haven't been able to shake him. You haven't been able to shake him. Year after year, same struggles, same issues. Every time you move, keep going. Every time you move, he's right on your tail. The enemy is always there, always following you. Man, I thought I got rid of that last year. I thought I overcame that last 21 days of prayer and fasting. What is his enemy still doing? Because he knows where you're going. So he's going to stop your route. So now you got the receiver, you got the defender. But now you got the play. Let me tell you about this play. It's called the comeback route. Yeah, y'all know about the comeback route. I'm, I'm going to tell them the comeback route right here. It's my favorite play in Madden. It's the comeback route. Here's how it goes. Phil, when I say hike, I want you to go out three yards, five yards, okay? And then I want you to make a sharp turn back to me. And then Phil, he's like, but quarterback, but pastor, but Jesus, that don't make no sense. Why would I come in this direction if my goal is in that direction? Trust me. Will you trust him? Trust me. Ready? Set, set, set. Hi. Come back. He had to come back because the comeback created the necessary for him to receive the blessing. But now you have to understand how frustrating this is. Because in order to cause the separation, he had to go back to a place he thought that he had just left. And when you want to grow, you have to learn to change your vocabulary from going back. Because that's the first thing we say when we fall. That's the first thing we say with the business we started, where it collapses. Now I'm going back to being unemployed. Now I'm going back to being single. Now I'm going back to struggling with sin. Now I'm going back. You're not going back. God had to create the separation so that you could... to him because it's not the goal that is his first direction his direction needs to be to Jesus and when he comes back to Jesus that creates the separation for him to run to his goal I just came to tell somebody today whatever was taken out of your life whatever loss you experienced whatever defeat you faced it was not you going back LL Cool J was wrong you need a call to come back a comeback I'm not going back I'm coming back I'm creating the separation so that you can come back to me let me show you two one more time set 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 hike go stop come to him first so here's my question to you today who in this room needs to come back to Jesus You've made the goal the goal for too long. The enemy's on you. He knows where you're headed. If you really want to get there, come back. Are you seeing it? It had to happen so that it could separate. That's what fasting is, separating. So that you could come back. Come back, come back, come back, come back. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Somebody in this room today needs to come back to Jesus. It's been a long time. A long time. You strayed away for many years. But he's here today, waiting. He's ready to forgive. He's ready to start a relationship. He's ready to get off to, to new things with you. 
All you got to do is come back. I know it's going to be painful. Separation can be traumatic, but come back. Trust them. It's, you're coming back momentarily so you can get there eventually. Come back. If you're in this room today and you want to come back to Jesus, you want to begin a relationship with him for the first time or maybe for the first time in a long time because you've done your life, you've made your decisions, it's led nowhere. If you're ready to come back, when I say three, seated right where you are, I just want you to raise your right hand slightly to the air as a signal and a sign. Jesus, I'm ready to come back to you. I'm ready to separate myself from the world and all of its trappings so that I can get to know you again. All over this room, when I say three, raise your right hand. One, two, three, right now. Shoot your right hand up to the side. I'm ready to come back. I'm ready to come back. Come on, I see your hand. I see your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, amen. Put your hand down. And we're going we're gonna to join you in this prayer. So if you raise your hand, I want you to pray this prayer, but you're not going to pray it alone. All of Journey Church is going to pray it with you so you don't have to feel singled out. I want you to pray this prayer. Father God, come on, say it with us out loud, everybody. Father God, I'm coming back to you. Take my heart, take my life, take my past. I'm ready to start new this year with you. I'm coming back. This is key. Say this, forgive me for my poor choices and be with me for my new ones. I know I've got grace for growth. So I'm going to begin walking with you today. In Jesus' name. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.